Welcome to Tea and Chat, the podcast where we explore different cultures from first-hand experiences with your host, Rebecca, a British expat living in Canada. Hi there and welcome to today's episode of Tea and Chat. Today I will be talking with my German student from Munich who spent one year studying abroad in St Andrews University, which is in Scotland. I'm interested to hear more about her experiences today and to share that with you so that we can hear a first-hand experience of what it's like studying as an international student in the UK. Hi Cordelia, were you studying at university today? No, so actually I had a day off and so I had just some lunch with a friend of mine and some coffee and that was super nice. Oh, that's Uh, relaxing. So not very productive today. And not every day has to be productive. A day at a cafe to me is my idea of productivity anyway, because you get to relax and chill out a bit. Do you still have a lot of schoolwork to do before the year ends? Yes. So usually in Germany, it's slightly different to other countries, I feel, in the respect that we don't write our essays during the term, but uh, during our holidays. So it's a little bit weird to just international students. But that's actually why sometimes I feel that I don't have any holidays at all. So because either, you know, it's the term and I have to attend some lectures, go to lectures and do all the coursework. And then doing my so-called holidays, mm-hmm. I have to sit down and write my essays. Wow. So even like for your summer break, like this big summer break that all students get, you have to be working and writing essays. Yeah. It's just two weeks in October. But who wants to have holidays in October? Yeah, it's not the best weather, but... (laughs) I I don't want to whine. So maybe you can begin by telling us a little bit about what you're studying and whether you were studying that while you're in Scotland and what year you are in of your studies too. So actually, I've completed a master's in physics and now I'm currently studying towards a master's degree in logic and philosophy of science. And back in St Andrews, so doing my study abroad, I was still studying physics. And that was for your master's as well? No, I was an undergraduate student back then. Okay, awesome. So did you go in like your second year of studying or third year? Third year. Okay, so I don't know a whole lot about what it's like to study abroad, but it is something that I'm very interested to do, especially since I'm going back to school myself. So is it usual that people usually do their study abroad in their third year of studies? I think it kind of depends. So for me, the idea was that I wanted to do my bachelor's project abroad. Back then, I was very interested in biophysics, but there weren't that many groups. I was a biophysics group back in Berlin. And so I thought this might be an excellent opportunity because I I can go abroad and also do my project there and really work on something I'm particularly interested in. And the other thing is that that might be a bit special about my uh, study abroad in the sense that I went there for an entire year. So at least in Germany, uh, most people, they go abroad just for one semester, only attend courses there. Yeah, I think that's actually true. Even for myself, like I said, I wouldn't mind studying abroad, but it's kind of difficult when you have kids. And so like at the very least, I thought I would do like one semester because the whole year is quite a long time. And I think I see that too, like when people post YouTube videos and such, it's usually just for a couple of months. So was there a reason why you chose to do a full year instead of a semester? So my idea was that if I spend an entire year there, then I really get a chance to completely immerse myself. So sometimes I feel that if it's just one semester, because in the end, one semester, it's just three months. 
And this can be, of course, it is a great opportunity to get to know another country. But sometimes then, so my kind of, well, I was slightly anxious that I might arrive there and then uh, kind of get settled in. And then I would already have to move back to Germany. And the other thing was that I definitely wanted to improve my English back then. And so I thought that if I really spend an entire year in another country, then this will help me for sure to boost my English. Oh, that makes sense. So it was a two-in-one deal. <laughs> definitely part of immersing yourself and learning about the culture is practicing your language skills if that is something that is on the table, right? So that's really cool. But is there a specific reason why you chose St. Andrews University in Scotland? Did you apply to several universities or was that like your first choice? It actually wasn't my first choice. It was kind of a coincidence. Mm -hmm. So my original plan was to go to um, the south of England just because I felt that it might be nice to live close to London so that you can just go there over the weekend for instance. And there are also there are so many um, nice other towns nearby. But that was actually quite difficult. So because here in Berlin, they don't really have any kind of exchange programs with British universities. And so I had to do everything on my own and to apply as an independent student. And then I don't know, one afternoon, I was like, okay, you know, I just browsed a little bit. So, oh, there's this uh, very old university in Scotland. And I had a look at the professors. And then I got in touch with one professor, and he was so extremely friendly and supportive. Like, he's just an outstanding person. That's amazing. Did you get to see him, and did you have him as a professor later on? He ended up being my supervisor. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It was basically because he looked so friendly on a web page. <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> First impressions counted in that situation, I guess. And then he also helped me flying. And, you know, tuition fees are pretty high in the UK. And at least he helped me that I didn't have to pay for the second semester. So that was just... But the process of applying as an individual by yourself for a study abroad sounds quite overwhelming, actually, because... Again, like I said, I don't know a whole lot about study abroad programs, but I know that, as you said, usually you do it through the university and each university is partnered up with several universities around the world. So, for example, the biggest university in my city, which is the University of Alberta, they um, have perhaps partnered with some of the other larger, well-known universities around the world, but not so many because they are like a bit more, I guess, picky about which universities they've partnered with. Whereas the university that I will probably be attending is a lot smaller. So they've partnered with a lot more universities around the world, but like perhaps not the top universities, if that makes sense. So it's like you have more options for your study abroad. But in that situation, I don't know like how much the student has to do in the application process. But I know, of course, a lot of it is already handled by the university and you get a lot of support at least throughout the whole process. I might add to this in the sense that sometimes I feel that, so because at St Andrews I actually partner with some European universities. So I think that this is sometimes a little bit odd in the sense that back then Scotland was still part of the EU and we had all these different Adidas new regulations implemented and so forth to make it very easy for students to move to other countries and to do study abroad. And so then I felt, okay, in the end, so, for instance, it's sometimes it's done the case that a course in Berlin is nine credit points and in St. Andrews it's seven credit points and that's why then you can't transfer the course. And I think this is just, in a way, really kind of sad and it even yeah. upsets 
me a little bit back then. Yeah, so even if the course material is the same or very similar, just because of the way they've worked out and calculated the point system, it's just the only reason why they couldn't transfer it. Yeah, it's quite silly. Yeah, and so I think also in Germany, one credit point, you have to study 30 hours to get one credit point. And then um, in Italy, you have to study more or less. I, I can't remember. So, well. Yeah, it doesn't work out. And it's kind of weird that they couldn't all just talk to each other and figure something out. <laughs> um, why does it have to be so different? Yeah, I can understand. But yeah, so as I said, that time, of course, is still super valuable and it's kind of like you took a gap year but instead of just traveling or like you know just having to kind of free time you were still taking courses and studying and doing a lot of valuable things that would still kind of count towards your studies because of course you're still learning something even if it didn't directly transfer it's transferring in your mind you're still learning those skills that you can then continue to apply so is that kind of how your university perceived it like you were just kind of taking a year break from your studies so in Germany most universities are extremely anonymous in the sense that I don't even think that someone noticed that I was away for what a to be completely frank with you. What? There isn't some kind of... What? <laughs> How is it regulated that they don't notice that you're gone? <laughs> there are 50,000 students studying um, just at TU Berlin or three, uh, 30,000. It doesn't really matter. Just, you know, a massive number. So, okay. I'm going to ask you a few stereotypical questions, I suppose. Not about Germany, but about Scotland. Well, first of all, like, let's just start with the basics. How was it? You said you wanted to move originally to the south of England, and then you moved as far north as you could possibly move, perhaps, in the UK. Now, with that comes a certain accent. And being thrown into the deep end, as I would describe it in that situation, how was it to understand the local Scottish accent? So I should probably preface what I'm going to what I'm about to say by kind of explaining that so St Andrews is more like a bubble so most of the students there they're international or a lot of students they're actually from England and I didn't really have a chance to meet any Scottish people. What about the professors? No professors they were from Germany, the US and then from England. Wow that's a really international school so Even in the town itself, did people not sound Scottish? <laughs> well, of course, at a supermarket, etc. But then you don't, you never, at least I never had a proper chat. And I actually felt very bad about this. So after the entire year, then I traveled back to Germany and I had these two massive suitcases. And so I had to take a cab. And then the taxi driver, he constantly wanted to talk to me. And I felt that this is just so nice, but I just couldn't get what he was saying and he gave me a really hard time Um, (laughs) I just nodded along not intentionally he wasn't trying to give you a hard time it was just difficult for you to understand so you went with the universal nod just yeah and and I hope that it wasn't a question (laughs) you just say yes to everything yep yep sure (laughs) yeah because sometimes I was like oh could you please repeat this but then after a while you know because also then I didn't want to give him the feeling that I was criticizing him for his accent. Ah, uh, so. so you're worried about that. Yeah. But he had a very thick accent. Yeah. 
And now, a message from our sponsor. Tired of being on top of growing customers while dealing with admin work? Introducing Vey, the all-in-one business solution that adapts your workflow from anywhere. Vey schedule meetings, host video calls, get paid, and manage your customers from start to finish. Vey, take control of your business. So now we've cleared that up, I'm going to get into a few more kind of Scottish things that people might know or might not know about Scotland but if you've been you would definitely know first of all like you just arrived in Scotland you're walking down the street did you see any men in kilts no I don't think so at least not in the beginning okay you saw them at some point (laughs) I saw them at some point yeah sometimes um, if there was a special holiday I think and also there was a store where you could basically borrow a kilt because like most students at some point, especially if they're from overseas, they want to take a kind of a funny picture of themselves wearing a kilt. Okay, so the store, was it in the university? Uh, no, 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 but in St Andrews. Okay, so it was like a rental store where you could just rent a kilt or an outfit and take some pictures? Mm-hmm. That's quite interesting because I didn't see it before, but it reminds me of like when people travel to Japan and then they rent the kimono and the yukata and they just do this for several hours just to take pictures but I didn't know in the UK we have some kind of attire that had the same appeal as that so that's quite interesting yeah I haven't tried it myself but some people told me so yeah I don't know can a woman wear a kilt I've never seen it before actually yeah of course they can right but a woman can wear a kilt oh I yeah. don't but also what I meant is that I didn't go to the rental store so I've never seen it myself but I was told that it existed <laughs> It was rumoured. In case you go to St Andrews and then you can't find a rental store for kilts. Don't blame Cordelia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I'm kind of, you know, worried about. <laughs> no, you're fine. Talking about things that you have or haven't seen, did you see the Loch Ness Monster? Oh, unfortunately not. I'm <laughs> very disappointed. Did you visit those kind of areas, though, of, like, natural beauty? Yeah. Mm. And I think it's absolutely stunning, especially because it's so different from Germany. So it's it's kind of difficult for me to describe, so to really put my finger on it and to say what the difference actually is. But I think it's also the light. So because St Andrews or Scotland is way up more north. Aside from St Andrews, though, you went to a few different places in Scotland, right? Yeah, Aberdeen and then Inverness. That's like really up north. Yeah, that's like one of the highest points, but... It's quite interesting because nowadays Scotland is becoming more and more popular with tourists. So, yeah, that's why I asked you originally, like, you know, was there a specific reason why you chose to go there and everything? But you chose it because you thought people looked friendly in Scotland. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And that's good. I like that. And you said that it it lived up to your expectation as well. Yeah. And I also think that sometimes you just have to go with your gut. Mm. And right from the beginning, I had a good feeling. So I'm very happy that I made this decision. And also St. Andrews, I think it, in a way, it's a really great town for doing a study abroad just because it is so small. And so you constantly bump into people and it's actually rather difficult not to make any friends. So just because, you know, you always see someone you know and then you just have a quick chat. And I think this is actually how you get to know someone. That's really nice. Yeah, and also there are so many societies you can join. Did you join any? Yes, of course. So I was a member of the Doctor Who Society. I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Ooh, 
that sounds fun. Yeah, philosophy society, art society, whiskey society. Whiskey? Whiskey, yeah. <laughs> the drink? <laughs> they had a society just for whiskey. That's so funny. Whiskey tasting every single time. <laughs> so the next day, it's important that you don't have any classes because um, the whiskey tasting will definitely give <laughs> you a headache. <laughs> More generally, what I liked about the university there was that um, they have a lot of traditions, a lot of weird traditions, but this actually helps you to identify with the university and you really feel like you are a member of the university and part of this community. Because as I said, I can't remember the exact number, but there are thousands of thousands of students in Berlin. So sometimes I just felt like, okay, I just go there for the lectures And then I went right back uh, home. Can you give an example of a tradition at this university? Yeah, sure. There are a couple. So perhaps I could start with Raisin. And if we have time, we can talk about the other ones. So basically, you get academic parents. Um, So there's this idea that you have an academic family. And then if you're in your first year, or if you're an exchange student... Then during the first weeks of the semester, you find some academic parents or sometimes also people just approach you. And these are students that are in their third year. And then there's um, Raisin Weekend where you get officially adopted. And of course, there's also a lot of drinking involved. And then you go on a scavenger hunt and have to do a lot of stupid things such as breaking into the castle And, you know, the people working there are pretty annoyed because more or less this happens every single year. Oh, okay. So it is like an actual, it's not like supposed to really happen, I guess. It's just the students going a bit wild, maybe. (laughs) It's not organized that people know that you're going to break in. (laughs) But also I think they don't really mind. Okay. They're used to it obviously by now if it's a tradition, yeah. And then on Monday, on Raising Monday, your parents dress you up. So we were unicorns, and then there's a massive phone fight. Wow. Okay. And this is all within the first few weeks of university. You know, in the UK, we have what is called Freshers' Week, which you kind of almost touched upon about saying that there's a lot of drinking involved, because that's what we call Freshers' Week. It's like your first week or two in university where university students just get drunk as hell. Actually, in Canada, I don't think they even have an equivalent to Freshers' Week, They do have like orientation week and some universities, basically the university itself will throw the party rather than just going to local nightclubs and stuff like that. But because it's a lot more organized, usually it's not so messy. And again, every university does it differently. So some orientation weeks might be a lot more formal and not so much involving tons of alcohol and stuff like that. So Actually, that's kind of a competition thing here between the universities is like who can throw the best orientation week between them um, rather than like everyone going to the nightclubs and just getting drunk and the nightclubs themselves hosting different events for the university students. But I really like this idea, this tradition. You're dressing as unicorns. You have kind of like a big sister, a big brother who's helping guiding you through those first weeks. And it's kind of like your guardian angel. It's like In the UK, often when new kids transfer to even just regular schools, somebody in that class is assigned as like a guardian, like to help them go from class to class and stuff like that. But yeah, again, I think that's something that might be more common in the UK, but not overseas, not something that I've seen here in Canada. So that's really nice. It helps you to settle in again. Another good example of that. Yeah. 
So you kind of explain again, like the differences, but you explained the student life is quite lively and quite fun. And maybe it was quite easy to make friends as well because you had all these different situations. How was like the student accommodation? Did you stay in student accommodation? Um, yeah, during my first semester. So there are different dorms and my dorm was actually quite nice. So I had my own bathroom and then I shared a kitchen. But other dorms, I don't know. Comparatively, maybe not so good. But after the first, you said the first semester, what did you do? In the second semester, I shared a flat with four girls. Okay, that's quite common as well, like flat sharing and such. So that's very big in the UK to kind of maybe not even in the second semester, usually like in the second year or the third year to find a group of friends and do flat sharing that way. So you had that experience of both, which is really amazing. So obviously you met a lot of people. Do you still keep in touch with these people today? Uh, With some of them. With some of them? Yeah, so I think with three of them, four of them. Okay, that's nice. So you maybe have some long-lasting friends there. And do you think that you would want to go back? Is there anything that you really miss? So I had an amazing time there and I think it was actually, perhaps it was the best year of my life. I don't know. It was one of the best lives of, uh, years of my life. Yeah. But sometimes I think it's kind of dangerous if you want to repeat something. So I would love to go back there just for a holiday, but not for studying, I think. And why would you say it's dangerous? Because I think that's a really interesting point that you made. So in the sense that the experience won't be the same. Yeah. You might be disappointed, maybe. I I think so. Because Mm. I had such a good time there because of the friends I had there. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, um, probably the students that are now studying there, they're also super nice and super friendly. And I might be able to make very good friends. But still, it would be a different experience. And so sometimes I think that I just want to cherish these memories. And as I said, I would love to go there just for a holiday and to go to all the places I love so much. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. But I, I think it's really, really interesting the way that you put it, that it would be almost dangerous to go back <laughs> because those memories are living on in your mind in a peaceful way because you said they're some of the best memories perhaps of your life or the best year of your life. So it's something very positive. Now, if you went back and had some kind of negative experience happen to you, then obviously it might feel like it's going to taint that initial experience a little bit or at least your image of that place and of the people. So I think it's really smart the way that you said that and the way you put it. And of course, there's always that possibility as well that in our memories, things might also be better in hindsight than how it actually was. But that's actually a good thing. It's like you want to remember things as being good. So even if you imagine it as being better than it was, it's better to keep that kind of positive memories rather than building some perhaps risky one. So I quite like that you said that. So on a final note, just to confirm though, because I know you said you wanted to improve your English while you were there. Do you think it did improve? Because for any listeners listening, of course, Cordelia is a student of English, but you might not be able to tell because her level is so advanced. So prior to going to the UK, was your level similar to this or much lower? I think it was similar to this. Okay. So you don't know like how much it improved your English because already you were at this level. Yeah. So of course, it's very difficult for me to judge. 
Yeah. I never recorded me before I, I went to San Andreas and so I can just go back to this recording and re-listen to it. I think it's more about your confidence and your comfortability with the language. Like if you were so comfortable with it before going, kind of like that. Yeah, and, and this is actually so I'm not entirely sure about this. So just because in general I'm still working on my English and I'm still unhappy with my English and I know people keep telling me oh I'm so why are you still taking these lessons you don't have to take any lessons but I just feel that there's still so many things I can learn well that's how it is with language learning right it's something not only that you have to maintain but it's a continuous process for your lifetime (laughs) and it's also something I thoroughly enjoy and that's good then. So why would you stop it? <laughs> yeah, no, I always enjoy our chat. So thank you so much. I really enjoy our <laughs> chats too. So I have to tie it up here and say thank you so much for being on the podcast today. You gave some really, really interesting points and a really interesting insight into what it was like to be an international student in the UK. And I think for anyone who's interested in going, I think you've given some really valuable information there that they can take on and maybe make the decision whether it's the right one for them too. I have a kind of thing going at the moment for the past few episodes of this podcast that I've had a lot of international people on here and everyone's kind of ended the podcast in their own language. So I have to kind of put that on you as your final task. I hope that you are ready. Would you be able, Cordelia, to close us out here in German? Vielen Dank, dass ich heute mit dir sprechen durfte, Rebecca. Es hat mir sehr, sehr viel Spaß gemacht. Es hat mir sehr viel Freude bereitet, dass wir über all diese Themen sprechen konnten. Und ich freue mich schon dann sehr darauf, bald diese Podcast-Episode anhören zu können. Bis dann. Perfect. Goodbye.